um, that we will have an impactful uh, meeting and lesson today, uh, that you will be glorified in all we do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Somebody go ahead and give God a hand clap of praise. <laughs> we want to welcome everybody. Uh, I know we just hand clap. Can you give a hand clap and welcome all our people that watch online? Um, we have a lot of online viewers from uh, many different platforms, from podcasts to Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts, to Google Podcasts, to the website. We have two websites now up. Um, YouTube, all sorts of things. So wherever you want to be able to get it, uh, you're able to get this as well as now, uh, not only at, um, at Encounter360.org, you can also get it at willyberry.com or Encounter360 uh, or wbministries.org. Um, so there's a couple places to be able to get it. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, you, it's, it's probably going to do that a little bit. We're going to start today. With Genesis chapter 34, and this is a pretty heavy topic, in case you know, there aren't a lot of fill in the blanks today, because the day is more of a discussion day, uh, because this covers a pretty, uh, pretty heavy topic, so we're going to read all the way through a little bit of reading. I hope you don't mind us reading the text. I want us to read this together, Genesis chapter 34, 1 uh, through 34, and then we're going to come back and answer these questions. For those of you who are watching online, you can get that at Encounter 360. 360.org, go to the live stream, and you'll be able to see all the notes, and there will be a Bible uh, there waiting for you as well online. Uh, ready, and let's read. Now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she had born to Jacob, went out to see the women of the land. And when Shechem, the son of Homor the Hivite, the prince of the land, saw her, he seized her and lay with her and humiliated her. And his soul was drawn to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob. He loved the young woman and spoke tenderly to her. So Shechem spoke to his father, Hamor, saying, Get me this girl for my wife. Now Jacob heard that he had defiled his daughter Dinah, but his sons were with his livestock in the field. So Jacob held his peace until they came. And Hamor, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak with them. The sons of Jacob had come in from the field as soon as they heard of it. And the men were indignant and very angry because he had done an outrageous thing in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter, for such a thing must not be done. But Hamor spoke with them, saying, The soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter, but give her to him to be his wife. Make marriages with us. Give your daughters to us and take our daughters for yourselves. You shall dwell with us and the land shall be open to you. Dwell and trade in it and get property in it. Shechem also said to her father and to her brothers, Let me find favor in your eyes and whatever you say to me I will give. Ask me for as great a bride price and gift as you will and I will give you whatever you say to me. Only give me the young woman to be my wife. The sons of Jacob answered Shechem and his father Hamor deceitfully because he had defiled their sister Dinah. 
They said to them, we cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised, for that would be a disgrace to us. Only on this condition will we agree with you that you will become as we are by every male among you being circumcised. Then we will give our daughters to you and we will take your daughters to ourselves and we will dwell with you and become one people. But if you will not listen to us and be circumcised, then we will take our daughter and we will be gone. Their words pleased Hamor and Hamor's sons Shechem. And the young men did not delay to do the thing because they delighted in Jacob's daughter, because he delighted in Jacob's daughter. Now he was the most honored of all his father's house. So Hamor and his son Shechem came to the gate of their city and spoke to the men of their city, saying, These men are at peace with us. Let them dwell in the land and trade in it. For behold, the land is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters as wives and let us give them our daughters. Only on this condition will the men agree to dwell with us to become one people. When every male among us is circumcised as they are circumcised. Will not their livestock, their property, and all their beasts be ours? Only let us agree with them, and they will dwell with us. And all who went out of the city of the of, his, of the gate of his city listened to Hamor and his son Shechem, and every male was circumcised. All who went out to the gate of this city. On the third day, when they were sore, two of the sons Jacob, of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers took their swords and came against the city while it felt secure and killed all the males. They killed Hamor and his son Shechem with the sword and took Dinah out of Shechem's household and went away. The sons of Jacob came upon the slain and plundered the city because they had defiled their sister. They took their flocks and their herds, their donkeys and whatever was in the city and the field and all their wealth. Uh, all their little ones and their wives, all that was in the houses they captured and plundered. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have brought trouble on me by making me stink to the inhabitants of the lands, the Canaanites and the Perizzites. My numbers are few, and if they gather themselves against me and attack me, I will be destroyed, both I and my household. But they said, should he treat our sister? like a prostitute. Now there's a topic that I put on the top of this paper. What does it say? Let's say it together. Two wrongs. Now that's a colloquialism in our world. And we often say that two wrongs don't make a what? And we see in, in, in this, this, this serious topic today, um, we see the rape, the brutal rape, of Leah, the son, uh, not of Leah, but Dinah, the daughter of Leah, the daughter of Jacob. And we see something in this text, 34 and 1 says, Now Dinah was the daughter of Leah, whom she had born to Jacob, went out to see the women of the land. Now, there's a problem with this statement. And the question number one says, uh, and just to know, we know from last week that Jacob has made his camp not where he where he ultimately be, will be, but he made it outside of a pagan people. He, 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 who else did we see make that, that mistake in the Bible so far? Who else have we seen do that? That caused his family distress because he moved too close to wicked people. Lot. 
We saw Lot do that. We saw Lot, instead of praying about where he should be, he picked the thing that looked the best, the most modern, the bright city lights, and he went to a place that endangered his family. And now we see that Jacob has done something similar. And because Dinah is the only daughter in Jacob's lot, you can imagine that she's lonely. You can imagine that she wants some female interaction and, and uh, that she's going here and she's going alone indicates probably that she has done this before. But the first question I have raised here and we can let's read it together. Number one, what does it say? What is the obvious question for a young girl going into a pagan city without protection? What's the what's the obvious question? By yourself. What's the obvious question? Why are you doing that? Why do you feel safe to do that? If you saw a young child in this situation in our day and time, CPS would be knocking on their what? Door. So we see that Jacob has not taken the time to tell any of his sons, you go with your sister. She, she's lonely, but uh, we want to make her happy, so go with her. Instead, he allows her to go down to this pagan city by herself. She's going to see the women of the land. And so we see an obvious question, why would that happen? And so question number two immediately comes up. Let's read question number two. What does it say? In what ways can we as parents, in an attempt to make our children feel accepted, expose them to danger, evil influence, and trauma? Is there a way that we see doing that in our culture today? We, we warn them, but is it sometimes that we crack the pressure from our kids and let them have friends that we know they shouldn't have and go places that we know they sh we shouldn't let them go so they will feel normal? Isn't there situations where we let children do things that we probably shouldn't let them do so they won't be ostracized oftentimes in my house i'll give you a personal example my children have a certain age before they can get a cell phone because my thought in our house is you don't need a cell phone except to communicate with us we control who you communicate with right at this point when you get to the age that you're able to maturely handle that we'll give that to you but there's no point in locking your door and then giving access of your eyes and your ears to the internet so we control that and every child I have as soon as they get to a certain age the first thing they do is they get that depressed look the first tears I ever shed after my child being mad at me the first time was because my child was mad at me because they 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 couldn't get a phone and I knew it was I was going to stand on my principles and I stuck on my principles and Haley looked at me and said daddy I'm mad at you and Haley had never been mad at me and I said well you just gonna have to be mad and I walked outside in my front yard in Mississippi I got in my car and I cried because my baby was mad at me and I came back on in <laughs> I cleaned up my face and I stuck to my guns now, at this juncture, I'm glad I did, but how many times have we as Christian parents caved to pressure to try to make our kids normal to everybody and in the ultimate end ended up harming our what? Children. So we would, it's okay to be free with your children. My children, are, they're not weird and going around and not having any fun. They have friends that they hang out with, but my children know that I have rules. Most times, if you're going over somebody's house, we have to meet their who? 
We have to meet their, not just their parents, but their family. We have to know not just who their parents are, but who's living in the house with them. Is Crazy Uncle Jerry there? Why is Crazy Uncle Jerry there? Uh, why, why are they not telling you what Crazy Uncle Jerry, I know that seems crazy, but it's important as parents for us not to negate our responsibility. My, we have a rule in our house, and I'm being transparent, no sleepovers. My mother would always tell me no sleepovers, and I would be upset about it, but she would never let me do it, and I didn't understand until I got older friends stories from my friends this is a very serious topic and the subtitle of this topic is an anemic response to responsibility can cause calamity let's say that together an anemic response to responsibility can cause calamity it is important for us not to cave to pressure when we have principles for our kids that's why it's important when you're raising your kids not to be reactionary to every situation but to be proactive to certain situations when you're having kids saying this we will do this we won't that way when my child comes and asks me something now this won't work in every while some things you have to have to deal with on a case-by-case basis but we already have there's no need to come ask me can we have a sleepover we already have a principle set up in our house you know the answer you're welcome to come and i'll even entertain you and give you that quick no because that's a principle and we don't break that principle because when you start to break your principles in most cases that will be the very time that disaster what comes and a lot of times our generations have become lost because we've let everything what go that doesn't mean you make them hermits. Our kids have friends, and not all their friends are here in this particular church. We try and hope that our, most of our kids' uh, friends will love Christ. But if they don't, we instill in our kids enough to know who they are. And when they leave, uh, every time I say, and I said, now remember, and they, they'll all say, we know, we have your last name. Don't embarrass you. If you do something wrong, you're going to wring our necks. Yeah, that, that's what daddy said. Uh, and, and, and no matter what everybody else does, we have our own mind. We see this unfortunate, this horrific situation. This is especially horrific to me because I have three daughters. She's out in a place unprotected. And as a parent, it's your job to what? Protect. I don't do with kids having locks in the rooms. And my, ki my kids know there are no closed doors in my house until I know you're responsible. And I knock on the door because I got ladies in the house. But just know, my child knows that at any time I walk up, I walk up to Haley at any time. And she doesn't mind you saying, she just hands her phone over. Why? Because I'm going to look at what you're looking at at any given time. And I come when you least expect it. Why? Because that's my job as a parent. And sometimes in our societies, can we agree that we have become lax even in the Christian body as parents? And that may have been detrimental to our youth. We love them right into a jail cell. We love them right into early pregnancy. We love them right into cancer or diseases because of early, early promiscuous activity because we wanted them to be just like everybody else. So this is a huge, gigantic wrong. Um, what are some other ways that you could think of that we may be exposing our kids to different things? TV? TV. Expand. What, what, do, you, what do you mean by that? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. So, um, when we, one of the ones that we 
Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, go Yep. That's it. And, um, and you can cut it off for, for now. I'm going to let you be the moderator and take that around as we need it. Very, that's very good commentary. That it, is it, could it be that we as parents have stopped parenting? That we allow the television to raise our kids? And I saw a statement from some executives at Disney not too long ago that they were open about their agenda in trying to proselytize your child to their ways and their viewpoints. Even to the point that when your children come home with things from school, I've had my middle schooler come home with content that they got at the library that they were encouraged to get that was way too adult and way too sassy for a child their age. But most parents let it go. And mine, my, my, no, I'll speed read if I have to. Skip. See what's in here. Let me read this. That's important because when you don't, you allow things to your children and you only get one shot. Once the damage is done, you can't undo it. They can get counseling. They can do all sorts of things, but it can't be undone. So I should have named this three wrongs because that's the first wrong is that if you're a failure to parent your child and put your child in a place, children are innocent and children are precious and should be protected at all costs, even our teenagers. And sometimes even in those bounds, it's okay to have guidelines and limits in your household. You can call me holy roller. You can call me holier than thou. But one thing you, I don't want you to call me is granddaddy before I reach 55. I don't want you to do that. I'm just going to be honest. And I'll just be plain honest with it. And what we have done is we have eroded some of our values and sometimes in pressure to become more like the world instead of being salt and light to the world, we as the Christian bride. That pressure is used. Yeah. We, shows, that's it. Yeah, shows and live stream and internet. Victor, you're very correct because peer pressure most times we and, and that's what I'm saying. Victor does mentorship, and for those who online that don't know, Victor is, does mentorship with young youth, and it, peer pressure is real. But the thing is, we think peer pressure stops when you get out of school, but peer pressure is very real, and it is still around. Now, this in this instance, to be biblically accurate, he didn't go in, cave into peer pressure. He was just neglectful in this instance. It doesn't say she snuck off. It says she went down there, which means that this seems like something that she's used to doing and have normalized doing. But it, the important thing is that we as parents have to start parenting again. And in a culture that is antagonistic to Christianity, antagonistic to the gospel, and is pro everything that's anti
anti-God. It's important for parents who hear this to share this. If you're listening to this and you're a parent and you think this is important, share this, that it's okay to parent your child. It's okay to say no. It's okay to say you do this or you can't watch that my children know we watch certain things and even in the things we let them watch they get annoyed because sometimes I'll stop the movie in the middle and say let me explain what you just saw you didn't realize what you just saw I want to talk to you about what you just saw and tell you why they're trying to get this in here on, on, on the undertone and I want you to be able to discern those things for your what self so now we're going to uh, section two. I think that was a, a good discussion. Give yourselves a hand for that. I want to do a different format and, and, and things like that. You can give yourselves a hand. I, I want you to participate. And, and if those people online, discussion is important because we need to protect our children. But we see a wrong that as she's come into this place, this boy rapes her and he doesn't think anything of it, which means that it's considered what? Their place. It's a place. Women don't have rights. Women don't have value. Women are treated like property and like cattle. And if you really think about it, this boy rapes this girl, says he loves her, and he may very well be in love with her. But how does the father fix the issue? The father fixes the issue by saying, well, let me give you some cattle and stuff, and we'll just go ahead and take her. He treats the girl like property. Now, can you, can you, can you see as a father if you're a father, the father's in here, and those of us who are girl dads, how this would probably be like, you know what, let me go to the Campbell. I'll be right back. And you better not be standing here when I come back from this Campbell because I'm coming back with something to talk with you about. But this is atrocious that's happened. And it says, verse 5, now Jacob heard that he had defiled the, his daughter Dinah, but his sons were with livestock in the field. So Jacob held his peace until they came. So Jacob's trying to figure out how to process what's going on. And so this boy's father comes to them. And we see in verse 7, it says, The sons of Jacob had come in from the field as soon as they heard of it. And the men were indignant and very angry, obviously, because he had done an outrageous thing in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter, for such a thing must not be done. In other words, they realized the atrocity and... The justice should be fulfilled. But what they don't see is Jacob angry. Now, he may be angry, but they don't see anger from Jacob, do they? And we see later that when they actually respond to it, that Jacob's worried more about how this could get us put out or how this could get us killed. Jacob's more concerned about that. Jacob has, and this is what number two says, and everybody say an underreaction to justice. I, I like the way that, that the Holy Spirit dealt with me on this because we see that he's talking with this man and making, trying to make deals with this man, Shechem's father, uh, and he's trying to get a bribe price. Now, you notice something, and I want you to see this, that when Hamor is talking, the verse 13 says, The sons of Jacob answered Shechem and his father Hamor deceitfully because they had defiled Dinah. Wait a minute. Where's Jacob? Your daughter has been raped. You may be upset to where you really don't want to deal with it. We'll give him, try to give him some credit. But who's talking? His son. And under action 
underreaction to injustice. So let's read what question three says. Include what ways we can ignore injustice in our culture just to keep the peace. Can we see ways in America where we see things, wrongs, and atrocities? And we try as a church, not this church, but as the church, the body of Christ, to ignore it so we don't create waves? Do we see things in our culture that are anti-biblical and we stay silent on them just to keep the peace? People oppressing agendas in the world that are completely opposed to Christianity and we stay quiet because we don't want to break. We don't want to cause problems. You know, if you and we can tell, you know why? Because when we get to those subjects, most times when the preacher start talking, he starts talking with disclaimers. Disclaimers like this. Let's talk about basketball players. If basketball players were sin. Now, don't get me wrong. All my I like basketball players. I don't have anything against basketball players. It's the game of basketball. As a matter of fact, I got some friends that are basketball players. Have you ever heard a sermon just like you can put in your sin in the blank? And I'm not against this. Matter of fact, I got some basketball players in my family and, and, and things like that. And we ignore things and we try to talk around things because we're scared to say what God has said not just in one aspect socially but as far as it's be honest we can be honest. our room we're a very diverse room as it as it comes to race relations many times we've been tone deaf we've acted if we just didn't talk about it maybe it would just go away because it made us uncomfortable and so we ignored it and said well we're just not pretend that it exists. Have you ever seen that in the church? I wish every church was like ours. But that really doesn't matter. And we're, we're very diverse. It doesn't matter what age, race, creed. We're all buddies in here. We love each other. We're all family. But we know in the body of Christ at large, that's not always what? The case. There are injustices that happen to our black and brown brothers. And sometimes when the church should be saying something, the church is silent. Am I lying? Yeah. Yeah. And he here's the thing. It's not necessarily, we must be prayerful. I'm not saying that everything warrants our, our, our opine and our response. But what I am saying is sometimes we see things that are blatantly wrong and we turn a false eye like we didn't see it. Just to keep the peace. Jacob's daughter has been raped and we are not listening to Jacob talking now. We are listening to his son. called us all to be brothers and sisters in what? Christ. So if there's racial inequality or inequity, if there's inequity uh, among uh, in, in ways that are th that the world says, uh, what's a good way to put this? I'm trying to find the best way to put this. In, in a misogynistic way and the church is silent on it? Yeah. We ignore those things and then we wonder why the world doesn't listen to us is because when it comes to the tough topics, we keep our mouth 
we don't have an opinion on those things. You say, we should just study the Bible. I stay away from, from social issues. I stay away from politics. And all is how we relate to one another, right? And what is Christianity? It's about how we what? Relate to one another. So it's impossible for a biblical Christian to stay completely out of politics. You don't have to go around telling everybody your political opinion and being obnoxious. But, but it is important that we are salt and light in the world, right? And we address things and we don't ignore them. Because if we don't, if we continue to ignore, ignore things, wrongs that were done, this girl has been treated horribly. And if we continue to ignore that, that's going to come up on number two. Question number four. What does question number four say? What is the danger of telling or just hoping someone will get over something and ignoring the injustice? What's the danger of that? It'll get worse. If we just pretend like we don't see brothers or sisters hurting, it doesn't get better. It gets what? It gets worse. Dr. Martin Luther King often said, and I am not a proponent of writing, but he often explained writing this way, that writing is the language of the unheard. When people feel like they have not been listened to and when they feel like they've been marginalized and looked over and unfairly treated and they, there's a rage that builds up in them when they haven't been heard, that's the proponent, that unpent up rage. How do you feel when people ignore you? How do you feel when people ignore your pain because it's not their pain? How do you feel when because it doesn't affect you, nobody seems to care? And once again, I'm, not, I'm saying be prayerful on these things that we do. We need to be prayerful as we interject to make sure that the Holy Spirit is guiding our words and guiding our interjection. Every battle in specific is not our battle. But many times God is calling us to a battle and we have under action and we don't react to injustice, not just racial. Can you imagine how Donna feels that my daddy's not speaking for me? She feels abandoned. There's a wrong that's happened. Can you guys see this in the text? I'm just trying to bring it home to an everyday subject, something that'll hit home. Is this hitting us at home? Yes. Go ahead, Brother Vic. Yeah, she's, she's treated like she doesn't matter. Yeah. And in this culture, to be accurate biblically, we must understand that women don't have very much control in this of who they marry and things like that. Those things can be common, but this is a little different because you generally ask for the bride before you defile the bride, and then it wouldn't be defiling. This man has raped your daughter and then asked for her hand in marriage. So this is a different thing. That's why this is, I said this is a tough, this is a very tough topic. But the danger of telling or just hoping that atrocities will go away and not dealing with those issues, don't make those issues go away. If somebody's in pain, if somebody's hurting, you ignoring the issue is not going to make it any better. The Bible says not if you have an alt against your brother, but if your brother has an alt against you, you with your spiritual, leave your gift at the altar and go make it what? Right if you can. Don't just ignore people who have been wrong. 
It's not the Christian way. We can't overlook and just pretend because there's no poverty or homeless people in Royal Oak that we should never feed the homeless. No, we should do what we do. Well, yeah, we have to travel when we go feed the homeless. Victor, has, we have to go find homeless people. We have to go under bridges, bridges and things in Detroit. But just because everybody's affluent in this area doesn't mean that as a church, we get to ignore that problem because it's not in our backyard. We're called to be salt and light, and we go wherever we're called, and we go find the problem and minister to it. Jalus went 32,000 miles across the sea back to Africa. Why are we giving to Jalus and giving to her ministry? Because just because it's not our problem and in our backyard, those are our Christian brothers and sisters, and they need Jesus. So we what? We support them because their plight is our plight. If one hurts, we all what? Hurt. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, which means we're all connected to the same source. So if you cut my finger, although you didn't cut my foot, I can guarantee you that I'm probably hopping around on my foot because it affects the whole, it affects the what? The whole body. How can we be, as a body of Christ, tone deaf to our social ills and the things that are going about in the world and pretend that we do not see it? Yeah. He, yeah. He's, yeah, he's ignored it. The Bible says this in Genesis, uh, well, not Genesis, Matthew 25. He says, depart from me, for I was sick and you didn't visit me. I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was naked and you didn't clothe me. And he said, when did I do that to you, Jesus? Ain't no poor people in Royal Oak. But they were 14 miles up the street in Detroit. And if you did at least to mine, you've done it also to me. Most times the church makes this mistake. And I'm just glad while we're standing in, in where we are is that when the, when the neighborhood gets bad, what do churches generally do? They pick up and they leave when the truth of the matter is who needs the church the most? The least. And the lost, yes, the affluent need them. They all need Jesus if you're spiritually impoverished. But God has called us to be salt and light. It is not the job of the church to run away from trouble. The reason the world is not gone yet is because of Christ's light and because the church runs to the trouble. The church ran to the bubonic plague. It didn't run from it. The church ran into the civil rights struggle. It didn't run away from it. The church doesn't need to run from COVID or whatever. The church runs to see how can I be salt and light in these tragedies. The light is shine, shine the brightest in the darkest of the world. Mm. That's when the church's impact can truly be felt. Let's go to question number five. What does it say? Over, it's not really a question, but it's a statement. Let's read it. Overreactions and offenses to justice are often produced from underreactions and attention to injustice. In other words, when people are not heard and you under or are underwhelmed and you underreact to their plight, they tend to over what? React. Let's be honest. 
Have you ever had a fight about something in your marriage which really wasn't about the fight at all? That it was, somebody dropped a piece of paper and now they got to call the police out to your house because the decibel level was up and y'all screaming. And really the truth is it had nothing to do with the paper. Nine times out of ten, it was your spouse that told you to stop doing something and you didn't see a harm in doing it. So you ignored their feelings because it wasn't important to you. And now that little small thing has set them all the way what? Oh. Anybody ever had to deal with that? You don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> but, but all the hands are flying up real quick. That when you ignore issues, small issues, they metastasize and become larger what? Issues. So this is not being treated properly. Because why? We need to keep the peace. It's more of them than it is of us. We won't be able to dwell in this land. So we'll just go along to get along. I wonder how many people said that in the South. In the early 40s and 50s, we'll just go along to get along, even though we know wrong is wrong. But we don't want to shake the boat. We do it nowadays. We go along to what? Get along. And in the North. <laughs> I'll be fair. Mm -hmm. And justice. Yeah, that, that's often done. Um, that, that was often done in an often tradition. And Dr. King would often say, and I, I don't quote Dr. King all the time. This is not a civil rights Bible study. This is about injustice everywhere. But I guess that's a hot button topic in America. It, it's, a, it's relevant. Yes, it is. I just don't want to all this thinking. That's, that's what all we talk about. But you're very true. That's very true. That's a very good. Uh, but mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it. You're very true. And we'll talk more about that. That's still done today, Nana. Did you know that? Yeah, that's still done today at some wedding. Uh, I've seen people do that. Um, yeah. Injustice anywhere, Dr. King says, is injustice everywhere. We as the church cannot be at peace. happening. And many times it happens. I'll give you another social ill. A few months ago, every church in the world was saying, pray for Ukraine. How many times have we still pray for Ukraine? They're still being bombed. But because it hadn't been at the forefront of our mind, have we as Christians been praying for our Christian and non-Christian brothers and sisters? Because if they Lord, that's the problem. How many times do we just in America that we're so comfortable with our life that we just forget about everybody else's injustice and everybody else's wrong? I'm not saying you have to go around and be depressed, but in your prayer life, you should often think of more people than yourself. Christianity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 First world problems. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, dad is on the roof. Those are what we call really first world problems. We are 
as a culture, sometimes in America and in the American church, we have become so spoiled. We complain about the service we get at a restaurant while there's somebody across the world starving. They too slow with my food, but some people don't eat at all. Jalus is from Africa. I've been to Africa. How many times do people flip on light switches and they're brownouts and the lights don't come on? <laughs> we take that for granted. No lights, no water. When I went to Africa, I asked him where the restroom was one time, and this was out in, uh, in Matanda Village, and he pointed to uh, their own bricks, and there was just this brick wall right here with two brick walls. I said, what's that? And I went in the room, and it had no roof. I said, what's, what's that? He yeah, he says, yeah, no time. He said, that's the bathroom. I said, no, it's not. <laughs> but often, but this is the thing I learned when I went there, and I will never forget it. I recommend everybody leave this country at least once to go visit somewhere else, is that those people did not have money. They, 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 they came in suits, and it was hot, no shoes on their feet. I still have pictures of little kids that were bringing melons from their field to give, but don't you know, they came in a church, and it was hot, and they danced with such power and passion, and they praised God with such power and passion, and guess what? They had no clock. Here, we have to be time conscious. I'm watching that clock right there. You know why? Because Americans have a short time span, and if you stay too long, they're going to be upset. Why is that air conditioner blowing so cold? Because if it's not blowing cold, people start looking at their watches. But this what happens. We forget the plights of other people. Now I have to move on because I just noticed that clock is flying away from me real quick and we have three more questions. But we're going into something because these sons do not feel like their father has adequately dealt with the situation because they felt like justice had not been served. They decide to take justice into their own what? Hand. So let's read what question six says. Because Simeon and Levi, the reason they mention Simeon and Levi is because Simeon and Levi uh, and Dinah all have the same mother and father. So this is their full blood sister. They're all full blood brothers and sisters, but they have the same mother and father. I don't believe in half brothers and things like that or half sisters, but this is the deal. They are there. And so what do they do now? Because Jacob has not been the parent he should be. I'm not judging him, but something bad happened. Maybe he could have put a better better plan in place. We don't know all the details, but we know that this has happened. There was something better could have probably been done. Now, this hadn't been dealt with in, uh, adequately. So we see, number one, an anemic response to responsibility can cause calamity. Then an underaction to injustice uh, uh, can cause bad things and overreaction. Now we look at number three, which is what? An overreaction to injustice. Verse six, uh, question six says what? Simeon and Levi use a religious sign in Israel to weaken their victim. I bet you didn't see that in the text, but it's right there. Circumcision is what? It's a religious ritual. There are other cultures around there that are not Semitic. Some people do do circumcision, but to the Jews, it is a sign of covenant with God. It is a part of their religious relationship with God, and they use that religious sign to weaken their victim. So it says how atrocious it is to weaponize religion against someone. Are there examples of how this has been done in modern times? Yeah, there has. How many a slave in a slave quarter has heard slaves obey your masters? 
it was routinely read. Some people leave religion. Some African-Americans have a problem with Christianity because Christianity was used in an improper way to enslave and keep people mentally enslaved. When the truth of the matter is that Christianity, a lot of it started in the Middle East and Northern Africa. It wasn't a white man's or a black man's religion. It, it came from a Jew, a Semitic Jew, and, and, and there were black early church on the day of Pentecost there were people from Africa and, and the person that carried Jesus cross he was he was an African two of the people that laid hands on Paul to commit that that ordained Paul were from Africa some of the early apostolic fathers and, and historians were African so it is a false narrative that this is a white man's religion this is God's religion this is God's relationship and he used people on the day of Pentecost of all races of all creeds he didn't make a boundary line and because of man's wickedness in Genesis 9 or a little bit after that after the flood the God creates the the division at the Tower of Babel where he puts all the nations against each other because of their disobedience but in in their tongue uh, but here's what happens at Acts he brings that relationship back together, and each man heard the gospel from knew one language, but all of them heard it in their own way. language. So what the sin of broke up by his disobedience, the power of the Holy Ghost brought back together, and God is coming back for a church that is, that is not divided, but a church that is full of love, the church that doesn't ignore injustice, but g gives heed and credence to it and loves one another. Paul put it this way, there is neither now Jew, Gentile, bond nor Greek, slave not free, we're all one in Christ Jesus, so if there's an atrocity with one, there's an atrocity with all we represent all sorts of people I obviously represent black people, black American people we've got black African people we've got Puerto Rican people Macedonian, Iraqi more black people white and Welsh and, and, and Jewish in, in their bloodline and Indian, all sorts of people in this, in this room right now and all of us are God's people and if one of them suffers an injustice we all suffer an injustice because we are all one in Christ Jesus that's the beauty of this church I love it, I wouldn't have it any other way Verse 7, or question 7 says, what is the danger of taking justice into our own hand? True enough, wrong has been done. True enough, the situation needs to be rectified. But these gentlemen have used religion as a way to manipulate. They use the, the holy, at this time, the holy symbol of circumcision to make sure that the men are weak enough that they can murder them and slaughter them. They murder. One daughter has been raped. They murder an entire city's worth of men. And then take all the women and, and, and you can't even say they did it for women's rights. Why? Because they took the women as slaves. Two wrongs don't make a... How many times have we done something to somebody in the name of righteous indignation? And what we did might have some justice to it, but our heart wasn't right, and we overacted. Two wrongs don't make a what? Question eight says this. Is it possible to be completely objective when you've been hurt or wrong? 
if somebody's done something to you and you're in pain and you're hurting, is it completely, uh, completely reasonable to be objective about that situation? No. That's why we have a legal system. That's why Romans 13 says that God ordained governments and, and things like that. And that's why we have a legal system in America that although sometimes we, we, we see atrocities happen that shouldn't happen, we probably have the best legal system in the country, in the world. We do. America is the best legal system in the world. It's imperfect. We, we, we could use some work, but at the end of the day, this is the best way we have to solve our issues and our problems. Why? Because if you are wrong, you, you, you don't know how much justice to administer. You want to administer enough till they hurt like you hurt. That's why it's important to know that when you've been wrong too, God says vengeance is mine. Yeah, you bring people to justice, but allow vengeance to be God's because you don't want to carry that heavier what? burden yeah yeah you got to let God eventually have it and what I want you to see we're going to Genesis 49 because because he didn't watch Dinah because he didn't send a son with Dinah because they have overreacted and done this wicked thing one one wicked thing doesn't justify the other yes people be wrong, but that does not justify them wronging other people or keeping them in a perpetual state of apology and never moving on. Yes, something right should have been done, but two wrongs don't make a what? Right. Let's look at Genesis chapter 49, verse 5 through 6, and let's see some of the reper repercussions of this. Genesis 49, verses 5 through 6. What did it say? This is where the, the children are about to be blessed. Jacob is about to bless his sons. And Reuben, because he, he did something he wasn't supposed to be, he doesn't get his blessing. And so the next people in line to be blessed by, by Jacob, and this is prophetic, when the blessing is prophetic. So this isn't just Jacob speaking. This is God speaking through Jacob. Let's read what he has to say at the end of his life. We're skipping a little bit, bit ahead, uh, but this is pertinent to the lesson. Let's read verse 5 and 6. Let's read together. What does it say? Simeon and Levi are brothers. Wait a minute. Don't they have other brothers too? But why did he mention together? Because they're brothers in hatred and violence. In other words, they are of a like kind. Let's keep reading. You'll see it in the text. What does it say? Weapons of violence are their swords. Let's keep going. Let my soul come not into their counsel. Oh, my glory, be not joined in their company for in their anger they killed men and in their willfulness they hamstrung oxen they were so petty that they didn't just kill the men and take the women but they they took the oxen that they could at least use for themselves and cut the hamstrings of the oxen they they in they enabled the oxen and made them limp so they could never be of use they wasted them so they, so in response to the abuse of one woman, which should have been dealt with, which is a serious effect, you took tons of women, a whole city worth of women, into slavery, killed a whole city worth of men, and then began to go into animal abuse. That, that's a bit of an overreaction, don't you think? Too wrong. How do we make this applicable to our life? Because all of us at one point in time, if we'll be honest, wanted to get back at somebody. Mm -hmm. 
the hardest thing I can tell you, the hardest thing to do is to let somebody muddy your name, to say nasty stuff about you, to lie on you, and do all sorts of stuff, and you sit there and not respond. You're raging on the inside. But sometimes you have to be still and let God fight your battles. I'm not saying they should have let this boy go. This boy should have paid a penalty. But to kill an entire city and innocent people. And because of that, there was when the tribe of, uh, when, the, when the Israelites went into the promised land, tribes didn't get an inheritance. Can you guess who they were? Simeon went into Judah and eventually dissipated, so his name was no more. The Simeon's tribe ends up going into Judah, and their name is no more. The Levites got some grace because Moses was a Levite, and they became the priesthood. But even in that, the reason they had to have a tithe and a tenth temple grain is because guess who didn't get an apportionment of land? The Levites didn't. They spent their entire life to the service of the nation. They didn't get an apportionment. The actions of their fathers affected their offspring. And we don't have time to get tonight, but we also see that a little bit later in, in, in another place where David has a son who rapes his own sister and he doesn't do anything with it. And because David doesn't do anything to address the issue, it causes his son to take matters into his own hands, kill his own brother, and eventually try to overthrow his father. We cannot overlook injustice. We as the body of Christ have to deal with things. And when this is, the, this is the biggest thing. And when justice has been dealt with, we have to be okay enough to let it go. When God has dealt with that person, how he wants to deal with them, sometimes God will deal with somebody who's done something wrong, and you upset. Why? Because God has moved past it, and you haven't, and God has started to bless that person, and, you, and you, that person hasn't suffered enough for you. Because you have vengeance in your heart, but you forget that the mercy that you give may be the mercy that you need. I'm giving away one of my sermons coming up in How to Be Happy. Blessed are the merciful. May we be a church worldwide of empathy, a church of caring, a church of forgiveness, a church of justice. That we don't overlook injustices and atrocities, but also after those things have been addressed, that we can move on in love and not forever overreact. This is a heavy topic today, isn't it? I've been praying about, about this all week, about how we would address this, and the Lord just gave it to me in a different way today. But this is something powerful we can learn, isn't it? And Jayless, Jayless has her hand. Go ahead, Jayless. Turn it on for a bit. It needs to be green. Go ahead. I think I hear it. I want to thank God for Pastor Williams, the way God is using him, uh, because of 
Crazy, right? To raise the child. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Yes. 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 Praise God. Praise God. And for those of you who are sitting on the other side of there and, and didn't, didn't hear what she's telling us, is that the funds that you, you put together uh, have actually helped in this, uh, 
fitting for this time to actually help some children who have been victims probably of sexual abuse. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. They. So the funds that you give, we want to thank you for what you've been given. If you're giving online, we want to thank you for what you're giving. That's why we do this. It's not just to say we've been doing something, but what's small in your pocket and what's small to you is huge to somebody else. That those, those gifts that were given were able to help people who have been victims of sexual, sexual abuse. She was talking about they were helping victims of people that were hungry and, and starved. Um, so those gifts and, uh, and Jayla's the tears that you have in your eyes, the tears that, that are really in mine as well. Um, I'm trying not to cry because they caught me on camera, I think, still. But, but that's why we do this, to reach the lost, to teach the found, and to change the world. You're changing the lives of people who you will possibly never see that couldn't get to the hospital. There's no health care or, or Medicaid or Medicare where she's from. It's either you get better or you die or you have the money. Thank you for giving. If you're online and you're giving, thank you for giving. But if you're praying and you don't have a dime in your pocket, thank you for praying. But, yeah. 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 It is. It, it is. And that's how you stop injustice. That's how you un stop lack. That's how you care. I, I don't know about you, but I want to be one of those people that Jesus says, I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you came to visit me. Most times in our self-centered church place, we get mad if the pastor don't come visit us, but we don't go visit nobody else. What about the least and the lost? You, you all, we all have a commission to take care of other people and care about other people outside of ourselves what good is it to live life and make tons of money and die and that money just stay here i'm not saying give away everything the bible says blesses a man who leaves an inheritance to his children's children i get it but on your tombstone there are three things there's a start there's an end there's a dash the start and the end are insignificant that dash is the only significant thing on the tombstone what did you do with the life you were given what did you do with the time that you had? What did you do with the energy and the funds that you had? Did you make a better life for yourself or did you change the world and make a better life for someone else? Did you help to share the gospel or did you just keep it all to yourself and only care that your family was saved? What did you do? Remember the dash. If you don't remember anything from else that I say tonight and if they're still going online remember the dash what will you do with your life what would your life matter when they lay you out across here and somebody's standing over you and they're speaking over you if you had to write your obituary today would it just say they lived a good life got a little money and retired or would they say that somebody's life has changed because they lived Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's it. Generosity is a blessing. That's why we give. I'm going to tell you, those people, the Bible says, he who refreshes will be refreshed. There's nothing most miserable than a stingy person. <laughs> but if you give your time and you give your energy and you go back and you see the fruits of your labor and the best gifts aren't the ones that people see. It's the ones that people don't. When you give something to somebody in secret and they don't even know that you gave it. And you get to see the reactions. I'm going to tell you something. One day, Robert and I were out. And um, we, were, we were eating out with y'all. And uh, I looked at Rob, and we do this from time to time. And I said, uh, you thinking what I'm thinking? She looked over, and I saw a lady, and she couldn't walk. She, was, she had a foot and a, a brace and, and, and things like that. And she was with another lady. Robin said, yeah. So we, I sent gay Robin the car. She snuck up there. And I hated to have, let the lady wheel for nothing, but I couldn't tell her that I'd done it. She wheeled herself all the way up to the counter, and the lady said, oh, there's no need. Your food's paid for. And she looked back, and she looked at me, and I said, hey, how you doing? Have a nice Sunday. <laughs> and, uh, and I never said anything, and she was down. And one day, two women walked in, and I remember their names. I'm not calling their names, because um, uh, they're probably watching and I like to love it when I see them. They're friends. And she said, you remember me? And, you know, I remembered her in the context of in a wheelchair. But she was walking, and she said, you paid for my food. <laughs> and I wanted to find your church. Now, we do stuff like that, crazy stuff. She was, she's been in the church, and I won't tell you who she is. She may be back. And I love that. Wow, there's no greater joy. Then doing those little small things to bless somebody. To know that the tip was supposed to be, you calculated on it and the thing says, tip 20%, $5. And you see them working so hard, and when they open up the tip, it says 65 Generosity. Caring about other people. That's where you, that's how, empathy. That's how injustice is solved. It's solved when you care. What the New Testament said that we should esteem our brothers higher than ourselves. In other words, we should care about other people. That doesn't mean we don't care about ourselves, but we shouldn't be the guest of honor. Yeah. Yes, it. Yeah. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. Uh-huh. It made their whole day better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's it. You made their day. She said it. I like that, Elizabeth. Kindness is just as contagious and infectious as hate, but it has a better outcome. I'm stealing that. I might put that in one of my sermon, sermon, uh, sermons because I like the way that was said. And I know we're, out, we're running a long time, but this has been a great 
discussion, I think some things have been said that you've said to me, I know have impacted me, and I'm hoping that it's impacting somebody online. I saw Pastor Ruther online and some other people. I don't call out everybody because some people don't like to be called out, but I know she doesn't mind. Uh, and, and so we're glad for you guys who are watching online. We have a whole online family, y'all. They're, they're out there with us, and I'm so glad that you took the time and you indulged me and you engaged in the conversation. And I pray that something has been said that is impactful and put some, that will put something on our mind. We're going to pray uh, for our assembly, pray uh, for those who are uh, watching online, and then we're going to go, uh, for those of you who'd like to stay, we're going to pull up the assembly so you can watch it. It should be about starting now. There were a few hours ahead of them because they're in Oklahoma. But if you don't know Jesus as the Lord of your life today, we'd like to introduce you uh, to him. Um, you can know him today uh, if you will reach out to him for salvation. So we're going to pray that you do that. And if you do, send us a message. Let us know that you got saved. Uh, we, we would love to know that. Uh, and and that, that's why we're doing this, that Christ will be preached to all the nations. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the word that has been given today. And we pray that we can extrapolate from these principles something to help us, Lord God, in our everyday life. Uh, to help us to be able to live and be mindful of the life we live and not waste one of the precious seconds of heartbeats that you've given us, but that we live our entire life to make a mark for you. Not that we be glorified, but that our life won't be wasted, that you be glorified through the life we live and that people will be pointed to you. We give you praise and thanks for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise. <laughs>